0: Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. The word supernatural. The word supernatural means something that exists outside of the natural realm and above and beyond the human realm. When we talk about the supernatural we're talking about something that's different than the realm you live in, different than the realm you think in, different than any realm you ever touch besides that realm of God. When we talk about the supernatural, we are limited to what the scripture defines the supernatural to be, which is where God exists, that realm of possibility where God exists and God manifests his power. The Supernatural realm is God's divine nature. Can't separate supernatural from his divine nature. That's what gives us definition and safety for talking about the supernatural. It's the power that brings heaven to earth. So the supernatural is something that exists outside of the natural realm, above and beyond the human realm. And it exists that God might move in such a way that he would bring heaven to earth. One of the words we will use and see throughout the scriptures when we talk about the supernatural is the word power. We've defined the word power as from the Greek New Testament. It's the word dunamis. It's a popular word. It's a word you've probably heard before. Dynamite, dunamis, the dynamo, the, the power of God. Remain in Jerusalem until the dunamis comes upon you. But the one aspect of dunamis that I'm pushing and getting into your spirit is the aspect of it's possible. Say out loud, it's possible. A little louder. It's possible. The word dunamis means it has capability of. To bring force and power. It has the capability of to bring the supernatural manifestation. It's possible. So when we move in the realm of prayer, we move into the realm of seeking God and pressing the supernatural. Our mindset should be, it's possible. Hebrews 13 verse 8. For Jesus doesn't change. One of my favorite verses. <clears throat> yesterday. Today. Tomorrow. He's always totally himself. Yesterday. Today. And forever. Everyone say yesterday. Today. Tomorrow. No problem in my mind. Respecting, believing, Rejoicing and celebrating the God of yesterday. The God who created heaven and earth. The God who gave the miracle of Noah's ark and the flood of the rainbow and the miracle of what happened there. No problem for me to read the Bible about the yesterday God that opened the Red Sea. The yesterday God that gave man in the wilderness. The yesterday God that bought miracles and Elijah and Elijah the prophets. And all about the healings and the powers. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with Yesterday. When I read the Gospels, I have no problem in believing yesterday Jesus. That Jesus really did do the miracles that he said he did. That I can read those and rejoice in them and say it must have been awesome to be there when he turned the water into wine. The very first miracle it must have been awesome when Jesus took the five loaves and two fishes and broke it in the miracle. What was on people's face? What were they saying? How did they understand? It must have been awesome to be on that road when that woman was right there crawling on her hands and knees and grabbed out and touched the hem of his garment. And she was healed immediately and and she stepped back but Jesus said something has gone out for me my virtue what has happened here and finally the woman was identified the testimony must have been awesome must have been awesome for the two blind men that sit by the roadside when they heard the crowd coming they just started screaming out Jesus son of David have mercy on us they couldn't find a way into the crowd they couldn't see the face of Jesus all they could hear is all the commotion they made a deal when we hear the commotion we'll just start screaming out and maybe Jesus will hear over the crowd, which he did. He went to them and he healed the two blind men. It must have been awesome to see the ten leopards come and get healed and leprosy leave their body. It must have been awesome to experience the miracles of yesterday, God. Yesterday, Jesus. Yesterday's church. My heart and passion And focus in this particular series is to get you to move yesterday into the word today. Yes, we believe in God of yesterday. All that I just said, absolutely. The Bible says he's the same. God is not changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible works for this generation like it worked for the first generation. The same Holy Spirit that was outpoured on them is the same Holy Spirit outpoured upon us. There is no difference. We have the Bible. We have the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. We have an awesome God. We have the cross. We have Christ. We have all that the apostles had. We have the same thing except different results. Why? I think there's something in the mindset and the attitude of today's church. At least in America, as I've been saying, not necessarily in every country. There are many countries that have a today Jesus, not a yesterday Jesus, a today church, not a yesterday church. There are countries that have really upgraded themselves. Well, we need to upgrade ourselves. Can I hear an amen? Supernatural perspective is the beginning. Here it is. A supernatural perspective is a way of thinking. Reasoning, considering. In this case, it's a way of thinking, reasoning, and considering a thing called supernatural. Now, for those who are just bumping into this term or the idea that things can happen outside of the human realm, outside of the medical realm, outside of all the other realms you might move and live in, there's another realm called the kingdom of God, the invisible. It might be hard for you to think about it. Why? Because your thinking maybe is not geared to the supernatural. You're not considering the supernatural enough. Wherever your mind is baptized into. Whatever surrounds your mind. Whatever gives you your most thinking thoughts. Your processes. Your assumptions. Your conclusions. The way you think. Ask yourself some simple questions. Who influences the way I think more than anybody else? Is it television? Is it college? Is it books and novels? Is it people you work with? Is it a mom or a dad or a brother or a professor? Who influences your mind the most? I've watched when young people go to university, and there's nothing wrong with education universities. You know, I'm big on that and would always encourage that. Be a professional live your dream, accomplish whatever God wants you to do. But I'm also aware that when they baptize their mind into a classroom where a person has no conviction for God, no belief in the Bible, no belief in the supernatural, a belief that all gods are equal, a belief that philosophy is the throne that rules the universe, a belief that is so different than Christianity. After one month, two months, six months, nine months, 12, 27, 57, after four years of that, the mind begins to think differently. Before you know it, you start believing differently. And before you know it, doubt is before faith. Unbelief comes to you first before belief. Question comes before acceptance. Assumption comes before concrete evidence. And so you start changing the way you feel. We have a whole generation of people Not just the educated, the college person that sits through that kind of a classroom. But a secular society that has removed God from the schools, removed the Bible from anywhere, that knocks down Christian belief, knocks down the power of God all the time. We have a a nation that has leveled the playing field so that Buddha is the same as Jesus and Mohammed is the same as Jesus and, and all the religions of our country is supposed to be so accepting that we're just another belief system. We're a philosophy. So our nation's belief system is secular more than Christian. It's philosophical more than biblical. It's a mindset that doesn't go there to the supernatural unless, of course, it's all kinds of wizards and spirits and all kinds of Ouija boards and all this other. The weird stuff is actually more acceptable than the Bible stuff. And so we have people, especially in Hollywood, that follow all these different gurus, and and they talk about all their different religions. Hardly any, any of them ever talk about Jesus or the Bible. And for sure, folks, they don't talk about the church. Church is not the respected institution. So we have a society that has a way of thinking, reasoning, considering. Follow my definition. Ours should be one that is based on the Word of God and come through having my mind, what, renewed by the Word. So I view all things based on the Word of God. The Word of God becomes my glasses. The Word of God becomes my filter. The Word of God becomes the way I shape my mind. Whatever the Word of God says about God is what I believe. Whatever the Word of God says about Jesus is what I believe. The Word of God becomes the shaping power. When that happens, you begin to base your beliefs on Scripture. You cannot, you cannot read the Bible without understanding God is good, Above all, beyond all, over all, created all, holds everything together. It's him that has done it all. It's Jesus Christ that died and rose from the dead. No other philosopher has ever risen from the dead. And so when you read your Bible, your belief system about God should be elevated in such a way that you would say, all things are possible if God is involved. Because that's the God that I serve. Well, perspective comes from these words worldview, experience, personality, will, church, background, Bible knowledge, spiritual growth. If I had to put your perspective in perspective, I would say these words come into play. Your perspective is made up of all of these pieces, and probably more than this, but at least this your world view. The way that you are culturally structured about your assumptions and your values is your worldview. What you expect, how you explain things, and how you just assume things will happen is a worldview. It's your culturally structured assumptions. Your experiences have a lot to do with what you'll do when it comes to the book, when it comes to the Bible. Now, let me just narrow this idea of experience is down to one area because I'm only talking about the supernatural. I'm not talking about your experience in many areas of life and living and that you can all experience. We could be here for several hours talking about that. I'm not talking about all those. Let me just talk about one of them. However you experience the supernatural. If you have never experienced the supernatural, there's a void, a vacuum, and maybe there's a faith for it, but just you've never experienced it. You're saved or you're on a journey to be saved. That's awesome. That's the greatest miracle of all. It's a miracle of a changed life and a heart that finds Christ. Absolutely supernatural. Maybe you're water baptized and you believe that what happened in that tank is Romans 2, that there's been a circumcision of your heart and the old man was cut away and that you have the potential to live in a new life. That's supernatural. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and spoken spiritual language. And that is supernatural. That's an experience. That's something that gives you a little bit of a a gateway into that realm of God that is different than maybe what people think about God as you move into this thing called glossolalia, the speaking in other tongues, spiritual language. That's the beginning of something. And then you go from there to what? Well, gift of the Spirit. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, which I'm going to talk about. Not here today, but in this series, the gift of the Spirit. So you might experience prophecy, miracles, faith. It's in the Bible. The Bible says that there are people that have the gift of faith, the gift of miracles, the gift of the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. Well, a person that comes from salvation, water, baptism, baptism, Holy Spirit into the gifts of the Spirit, that's a whole different realm again. And however you experience faith or word of wisdom or word of knowledge or discerning of spirits or miracles or healing or whatever it might be, those experiences have a lot to do with how you see life, how you see yourself, how you will pray with people, what you will do about the kingdom of God. Those experiences have a shaping power of your life. What about miracles and healings, experiences, disappointments, unanswered prayer, or things that happen in that realm of pressing the supernatural for healing or miracles can have a great influence on how you will do prayer in the future. I remember so well the first time, the first time, I ran smack into disappointment. Wasn't even 20. I was speaking at a little church up in the mountains out of San Bernardino. I was there sharing my little Jesus freak testimony like I did most of the time with a few scriptures scattered in. And that was my style of preaching before I got any Bible college or education. I just preached my testimony, preached a little bit of the Bible, pray with people and churches would have me in just to kind of do that. And so that's what I was doing on a Sunday night up at this particular church up in Big Bear. While I was preaching, the pastor came in. Small auditorium, there couldn't have been more than a 100 people there. But when the pastor came in, the service ended for me. They all stood and started cheering and clapping and carrying on, and I'm speaking. So I had enough sense just to kind of take my Bible and move away from the pulpit, thinking there must be something going on here I don't know about. Sure enough, the pastor finally, greeting everybody, finally got up to the front, He had just come from a Catherine Coleman meeting that day. He was diagnosed with cancer and was in the last stages of cancer. He had on a long overcoat covering his body, but you could tell the man was sick. And he began to testify The faith in that place went through the roof, mine included, Unbelievable how the anointing of God came upon him. Catherine didn't pray for him, but just being in the presence of the healing, the other cases that were touched and how he proclaimed and and received in that presence of healing, it was a great testimony. And the man was so filled with passion and energy, he looked like he was healed. But he died in three weeks. And when that happened, the church hit the wall big time. I went up with the pastor, whom I was under at that point, to speak at the church on a Sunday morning, so I went with him. The atmosphere was totally different. There was no rejoicing in it, and it was somber, discouraging, weeping. This church was suffering. A wise pastor spoke a great word out of Hebrews 11 about the and others. And some that don't get healed. And it was a word that I don't know if I ever heard before. And it helped me. But as I experienced that, I realized that experience had a real shaking on my faith for miracles. It was the first time that I actually was involved in a situation where I knew a miracle had happened, but it hadn't happened. And then I had to go through the process of why did God allow that to happen? Why did God allow that church to go through that? Why didn't God heal that good man and save his family and his children from all the stress and the suffering? I have had those same questions numerous times. There's something I had to build my life upon early on. I learned this from my own experiences. Experiences never dictate The word of God. Your experience is not the validator for the word of God. Your experience is not the filter for the word of God. The word of God stands outside of me, not because of me. The Word of God is the Word of God because that's exactly, precisely what it is. It's God's Word, not Frank's Word, not Frank's experience, not Frank's life. Whether I get healed, whether I get everything I'm praying for, whether things happen. What happens when you witness to someone and you hand them a track, you open the Bible, you sit with them. Somehow you get Christ in front of them and they accept Jesus and say, this is the way it should be. When... When Christ is preached, people should be saved and the kingdom of God is expanded and awesome things happen. What happens the next time you open your Bible and you say, man, let me share with you about Jesus. And the guy takes the Bible and he slams it down. He said, don't ever bring up the name Jesus in front of me again. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. I don't believe in your Bible. I want you to never talk with me about Does that experience cause me then to take and put my Bible in a drawer and shut the drawer and never talk to anybody again because now I understand some people might reject it. No, my experience has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of God for salvation. Whether they accept it or react to it, it is still the word of God. Can I hear an amen? When it comes to healing, miracles, prayers, If you don't get a handle on your faith, a handle on how God works, for his ways are past finding out. It says in the book of Job, he doesn't ask you for counsel. That's what it says. He did not ask you when he created all the animals what he should do. That's what Job says. He does not ask for your counsel, your input. He doesn't ask for your affirmation. He is God. And he does whatever he wants. If I was God, I would heal the pastor and I'd let the drunk on Burnside die. I would say, now here's a man, don't be offended at me, but I'm just thinking humanly. Here's a person that's not adding anything to anyone else's life. He's taken from society. He's already by himself. Maybe I mean, it could be a lot of case there. But why would God take someone that has all the influence and all the reason to live and all the reason to help the kingdom of God and all the reason to invest their life? Why doesn't God heal this person and not that one? But sometimes God does just the opposite. He heals the person I don't think he should heal. And he takes the other one to heaven. And God says, don't ask. What do you mean, don't ask? It's my decision, not yours. Now, if I can't let go of that, I got serious problems with prayer, healing, miracles, salvation, deliverances and everything else. The rest of my life. You have to let God be God. Can I hear an amen? Supernaturalize. This is what I'm praying now. Jeez, time is just moving. First Corinthians 2: nine and 10. But just as it is written, let's apply it just to what we're talking about. Things that no eye has seen. I want you to ask yourself what you haven't seen that you would like to see. Things that your eyes have never seen. Or your ears have never heard. What would it be? I have a few. Or mind even imagined what, what would you imagine that God would want to do in you, around you, through you, or with other people, for other people? Something in your life? Are the things of God prepared for those who love Him? God has revealed these to us by the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Things, 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 things. The word things is the big deal in that verse. What are the things that God wants to do in your life? If you're like me or like others that live in the natural realm and the human realm and the realm of secularism and the realm of everything else that comes against the realm of faith, you might have things that you want God to do, but you are so limited in your faith for that you can't even go there. At least I want you to go there. I want God to touch your eyes today. John 9 verse 7. I hope you turn in your Bibles, not just read the screen and mark these in your Bible. John 9, verse 7. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, meaning which is translated, sent. God wants to send you. God wants to send you into situations. God wants to make you a link between heaven and earth. God wants you to be an ambassador, a messenger of the kingdom of God. God wants to use you. You're the sent one. But if you're going to be sent, so he went and watched. You have to be able to watch. See. See. You've got to see what God wants to do. You have to have the eyes that see into the realm of faith and the supernatural that you can see clearly that Jesus wants to do something in this situation. Mark eight twenty five. So Jesus laid hands on his eyes again. And this is what some of us need now, again. The man looked hard and realized, this is a great phrase in my mind, that he had recovered perfect sight. Saw everything in bright, twenty twenty focus. This is the person that now can see the kingdom of God moving exactly the way it should move. You can see what God wants to do in that person's life. 2020, exactly what God wants to do. Wouldn't that be awesome? If you could just look into the needs of people's life and know exactly what God would want to accomplish here and you move in with such confidence because you can see what is going to happen here. You have faith for it. They can't see it. They can't even talk about it. But because your eyes are open and you can see and you're the sent one, you move into that arena of the supernatural things begin to happen. <clears throat> Opening the door. This is our prayer, and I want you to pray this with me, and we'll finish right here. Opening the door of prayer. I'll read it first, and then we're going to pray it. This is what I'm saying. We have pressed, and now we reach. But open the door to the supernatural realm. Supernatural realm first in your life, in your world, in your home, in your business, in the turnaround of people. It's first in your own immediate, but then it goes beyond that. Open the door to the supernatural realm. Let us see the hidden things in us and in others. The miracles. You have done and about to do. We have a lot of people requesting prayer now for stuff on their life, but there was a bunch of stuff last night in the services that came up. Why? Because people now are at least coming to that place and say, I want I want a miracle here. I, I want to turn around here. I, I want this to change. I, I want God to break in right here. People are beginning to at least verbalize. Why? Because their faith Is being breathed upon to say, you know what, a miracle could happen here. It's possible. I open a new door to a supernatural realm where all things are possible. Possible. The burden you carry, it's possible that Jesus can move in and change it. I was talking to one couple last night and they have an impossible situation. And they were both weeping and they were saying, how do we even pray about this? And I said, you know what? Why don't you take this attitude? Give it totally over to God. And ask God to do something good out of something you can't even see good. You can't change a thing about this right now. But God could bring something good up that would so shock you, so surprise you. That later on you would say, little did I know that God was actually working in this situation. Therefore, I have faith not to grumble at God or to be pessimistic, but to believe that God can actually bring a miracle out of something that doesn't look like it has any signs of miracle on it. It might not have the signs of miracle that you're looking for. But it had to. Fingerprints of God on it. When that happens, things happen.